If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians this morning. We're going to look in chapter 12. This week and next week, we're, it's not really a series. It's just something I wanted to share with you. Uh, we've just come in talking about our uh, mission or our vision statement of, of who we are here at Mount Salem and what we intend to accomplish um, and so what I wanted to talk to us today about was how we reach out. The, we finished talking about um, missions and evangelism. So how are we supposed to take the word to the world so that we might be an example and a light in this dark world? And so what I wanted to talk today and next week about is about our testimony or our witness and, and who we are in Christ. So the best way I saw this and was in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is talking about himself. And so I've entitled this for this week and next week, How to Build a Spiritual Resume. And as Paul is talking about himself, I want us to look at a few aspects of how he talks about himself and the example which he looks to set for to all of those who he came in contact with. Now remember, Paul's a church planner. He went from place to place to place to place, starting new work. So he'd go into a city. He had a idea what he wanted to do. He'd find areas where people who had spiritual beliefs would meet or areas where they would congregate, and he would go there, and he'd try to reach people who had some kind of spiritual background, or maybe they were Jews, all right, back in the, uh, and, and, and they weren't worshiping in the temples or things like that. He'd find them, he'd tell them about Christ, and then he'd start a core group out of that, and then he'd go out and from that and try to reach the Gentiles and reach all the people who were around him, the whole uh, surrounding area. So if, if this is the example that he's giving of how he wants to engage people here and how he went and did that. So it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Boasting is necessary, though it is not prof profitable. And when I say profitable, I mean there's nothing to be gained from this. So the first thing that we need to understand is that we need to have an unpretentious attitude. We need to champion humility. Paul had all of these accolades about who he was. He was raised uh, as a person, a Pharisee that was a learner or a scribe that they would grow up and so that they would become teachers of the law in the, in the Jewish faith. Paul was raised to, to be able to go out and to meet people in this, this way. But he didn't come across that way. He didn't come across as someone who took all the knowledge that they... Have you ever met people who are smart and they know they're smart? Anybody ever meet people who's smart and know they're smart? And they kind of throw that at, at you and let everybody know through the words that they say or their actions and their attitude that they're smart all the time. <laughs> really? Are you going to do that? Are you going to call her out right here? Is that the way you are? Okay. So I want you to understand there are people who are smart and know that they are smart, and sometimes they can't have a common conversation with you, can they? They can't get down on your level and be able to speak in such a way that it's easy for you to understand and communicate with you. All right, Paul had all this learned knowledge. He knew everything about Scripture because that's, what he was, that's the way he was raised. And so as he was raised to be a teacher of the law, someone who knew the first five books of the Old Testament backwards and forward, he could have come at people that way, but he didn't. He tried to meet people right where they were at. Remember how I told you he would go into a city? He'd find places where people were congregating together in some kind of spiritual form or fashion, and then he would engage them. He would engage them in all over the place. 
If you look in the book of Acts, he went to where the philosophers met, into the town markets type of thing, and he would engage people there. He went down to riversides and stuff like that where people were congregating on Sunday mornings so that they could spend time spiritually together. And he would meet them and he would engage them in spiritual conversations. But he didn't boast because he knew that it would be unprofitable. He could have come at them and said, hey, my name is Paul. I'm I'm a Pharisee. I know all this stuff. Now let me tell you about what I know. He didn't do it that way. So how many times do we go and we try to engage the community as Christians? Now, that was playing on words a little bit there. We engage the community as Christians. We engage the community as people who are called out from this mess, and we're a whole lot different than you. So we engage lost people as saved people. When the reality is, is the only thing that's different between us and them is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we engage people, we need to engage them at their point of need. We don't need to come boasting because it's not profitable. We need to come in an unpretentious attitude. We need to be championing humility so that when we want to have a conversation with them, they will listen to us. We don't come on as someone with airs, someone who is different, someone who's better, someone who's um, achieved something that they can't achieve or have not achieved. We don't need to come at people that way. We come at people with a humble attitude and an unpretentious attitude. Excuse me, and a championing in humility. Luke says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 25. For what is a man profited if he profits the whole world and loses and forfeits himself? We cannot give ourselves up so that we can have everything else that is here. We don't need to come thinking that we've achieved or accomplished something. Now think about this on a resume. How many people today are lying on their resumes? A lot of people are lying on their resumes to get jobs. They say that they've achieved degrees or that they've gone to an institution. They didn't even go there. I think that there was a politician down in Florida just a few months ago that had to quit the race because they found out that she had lied, that she had said that she had achieved a degree at a university. There was a football coach a few years ago, if you don't know, that used to be around here. He used to coach for that other team called Georgia Tech, all right? And so he used to coach for them, but then he went down and found out that he was lying on his resume when he applied for another job. Why do we lie on a resume? We lie on a resume so that we can achieve, say that we've achieved something that we have not achieved. So it is to make us look better. And so he is saying to us, Christ is saying, why do we want to accomplish all these things and yet forfeit our soul? Why do we want to have all this stuff? Why do we want to have all these titles? Why do we want to have all this money? All right, Please tell me that you haven't gone out and bought a lottery ticket, right? $1.6 billion. What are you going to do with that? All right. Tithe. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> if, if, if I can get you to sign a little letter right there, all right, we'll send somebody that's not Baptist and let them go buy that ticket and you can share it with them, all right? Okay. So we need to have an attitude of this. What is, what is it going to profit us? How are we thinking if we gain the entire world and yet forfeit our soul that we've won? We cannot gain this entire world and forfeit our soul. The soul is the only thing that's eternal. Nothing else in this world is eternal. Everything else in this world is temporal. There's nothing that we can take with us. So if there's nothing that we can take with us once we move from this side to that which is eternal, then why is this worth having? 
The things that we try to achieve here. Gold. Let's get all the gold we can. That's what our streets are made of. That's the pavement in heaven. So we're, we're trying to find pavement here. We're trying to achieve and hold on to all of these different things, but it's not of worth or value for the eternal kingdom of God. So we don't need to boast about it. We don't need to try to make up stuff to make ourselves look better. We need to do what God has called us to do. And this is the attitude that Paul has. Paul also says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says this, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ Jesus. Meaning this, everything that we have here is an instrument. It's a tool that we use to get to where God wants us to go. Everything that we have, all that who we are, is just an instrument. You and I are just instruments to be used for God's glory. And if we looked at our life that way, instead of looking at ourselves as people of value, the problem with looking at ourselves as people of value is that we come or think that people should value us more than someone else. That's how classes happen. Are you poor? Are you lower class? Are you middle class? Are you upper class? The reality is God says there ain't no class. None whatsoever. So we should be sitting in congregations. Now look, this doesn't happen all the time. All right? In fact, it's a rarity that it happens at all. We should be sitting in congregations where it doesn't matter what color you are or what your che- checkbook looks like and, and what, or where you live, what your address is, or what you drive matters. The congregation should be full of people of all races, all classes, and we should be gathered together. That's what the church is going to look like up there. But the church here looks segregated out in all those ways. Because we want to worship with those who are like us. Well, I can tell you this right now. The people that sit here aren't like the communities that are around us. And all the communities that are around us aren't the same either. You go down Fraser Road right here, there's half a million dollar homes being built up here or more, all right? And there's a different uh, price for a house than if you go over here, right down here, and the, and the subdivision next door to us over here, that's probably what, $200,000 homes. Those are different groups of people economically, socioeconomically. But if we're a church of this community, we've got to find out a way to reach that group of people and this group of people. That's what God has called us to. So as we come to this, we've got to take off all pretentiousness. We've got to lay all this stuff down. We can't think that we've gained anything, that we're more valuable than any other person that sits in this place or outside this place. That's the aspect which Paul looked at life. That's the way that we build a spiritual resume. That's the way that we become a person who's a champion for God, not a champion for themselves. Let's keep on reading. So that's just the very first part of verse 1. Then he goes on and says this, But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know that a man, I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether uh, of the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible, inexpressible words, which, man, which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man, I will boast. So Paul had an experience. Paul had a divine experience. 
Paul was called up into heaven. He calls it the third heaven. I don't know really what that means, okay? Uh, I, I would think that that meant that if you look at the, the earth and then you have the firmament and then you have the third heaven uh, up there, all right? And so with that which is eternal. So he went to a place which men did not go. And he saw things which men do not see. So it'd be like today someone who said that they had an out-of-body experience or died and went and saw the Lord and the Lord sent them back. And he says that I heard words and I saw things which I cannot describe to you and words which I cannot utter to you. That's amazing to me, right? That's a, what's amazing is, is that once we get on the other side, when we get to heaven, there's going to be something different about this. You know, all of our languages are different. Did y'all not know this? That there's different languages in the world. I'm just going to tell y'all that, all right? It's not all English. Have you ever gone? You know, we're, we're such great Americans, right? We go abroad and we go, I'm trying to buy this. You know, we slow it down thinking that they're going to be able to understand English, you know, when we're trying to speak, you know, speaking to someone in Spanish or French or whatever. It doesn't work. Why? Because we can't communicate with each other. But Paul's giving us a picture here that there's a completely different thing going on on the other side over there. And it's something that we won't even understand or recognize that's here. But it's something that's in common in heaven. Why is that? So that we can all communicate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the very things that separate us here no longer separate us there. So Paul's saying, I had this experience have you ever, any of you ever had an experience with God? Paul's experience is really, really different. But that's what this is about. This is about your experience. Your spiritual resume is your experience. And we testify to that which you've received, that which you've seen or heard or received from God. That is what gives you a witness in the world. That's what gives you a testimony in the world. That's what our world is looking for. I don't know if you know this or not, but they talk about this a lot. I'm just going to give you some generalizations here. But millennials look for and seek truth. Do you know where they find truth? They find truth in story. They want to know or hear your story. Reality TV is all about someone telling their story. They're just getting on there trying to tell their story. You know what? Uh, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, all this stuff is people getting on there telling their story. Everybody just wants to t Instagram, tell my story. This is where I am. Look, you know, all right, send the pic, tell my story. This is my life. This is what's happening. These are my friends. This is where I'm hanging. This is what I'm doing today. It's all about me. So everybody's looking for truth, but they want to find it in story. And in fact, if you go to a pastor convention right now, everybody's about story. It's not about preaching anymore. It's not about taking God's word and breaking it down exegetically, verse by verse. This is what God's trying to say to it. i got to learn how to tell a story on Sunday mornings so that I can reach people. Because everybody wants the story. And you know what that's causing us to do? That's causing us as pastors sometimes to exaggerate our examples. To embellish the story that we want to tell so that it's a better story. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. Why? Because the story's more important. Paul's not saying that at all. Paul's saying, what's your experience? Your experience may be boring to somebody else, but it's yours. You may not think it matters to everybody, but it's your experience. Brother Paul's experience is he spends a lot of time in his life on the lake, didn't you, Brother Paul? 
He's got a lot of fishing stories. You know what? Spent no time on the lake. I got no fishing stories. Why? Because Tim has no patience whatsoever. If I throw that in the water and there's not a fish on that hook within like two seconds, I'm out of there, man. I just ain't got time for it. We need to move the boat or something. You know, I mean, I just can't handle it. All right? I can't handle it at all. So I have no fishing stories. I got no hunting stories. But I got stories playing football. I got stories growing up playing athletics. I got stories where I went abroad to share the gospel through baseball. God gave me opportunities that way. My story is different than Brother Paul's. Is it any more important? No, it's not any more important. Is Brother Paul going to reach people with his story that I can't reach? Am I going to reach people that Brother Paul can't reach with my story? It's going to resonate in different places. Some people are going to think athletics, and ah, it's no big deal. I want to talk about fishing. Let me tell you about this guy I know, Brother Paul. Let him come and talk to you about Jesus because he can tell you fishing stories. You see, this is the way that we need to be able to connect with people. But we don't want to do this because we think that we're not important or that our story's not important. Paul's story was very important. Paul's means of communication. Now, think about this. I don't know anywhere else in Scripture where someone had this type of experience and lived. Paul went to heaven. He didn't have some kind of vision where he was in heaven. Scripture says, Paul says, he went to heaven. And he came back. He came back from heaven. And he says, I can't tell you about it. And words to express it. Because you and I can't comprehend it. That's a testimony. So if anyone could boast about a spiritual resume, it would be Paul. Are you getting the picture here? The picture is that Paul's seen and done and been in places and done things that none of us can even understand or fathom. So he can come at us with all kinds of arrogance. He can come at us with all kinds of pretentiousness. He can come at us with all these things and, and think that, that we can't relate. But yet Paul would go down to the side of a river and meet people where they are. That's the kind of attitude that you and I have to have. We have to understand that the experiences that God has given us are ours. And they're not just for us. They're for us to be able to express that to those who are around us. What you go through is important to somebody else. I don't know if it happens in this particular congregation, but I would imagine that someone has lost a spouse in this congregation. I would imagine that someone has lost a child in this congregation. I would imagine that someone has had a miscarriage in this congregation. I would imagine that some, somebody, in, and they have family difficulties. You don't get along with a brother or sister or a mother or a father. And we look at those and we say, man, these are trials that I have gone through. I wish them on no one else. But someone else has gone through them or is going through them. And when they are going through them, you are a witness to them. Do you get that? That God uses those things which you have gone through in your life so that he might be able to connect with someone else who doesn't know Christ. We look at this as the worst thing that could possibly human happen to someone. But the reality is it may be the saving grace that helps someone else come to know Christ.
What if we turned all of our bad moments into good opportunities to share those with someone else? For just as much as Paul tells us that he was called into the third heaven and got to see things and hear things which we can't even understand or comprehend, he was drug outside the city and rocks were thrown at him. He was shipwrecked, not once, not twice, but three times. And he had a road experience with the Lord on his way to Damascus. And if you read the book of Acts, he tells people about that not once, not twice, but three times. He told Roman leaders about his Damascus road experience. He took everything that the Lord gave him and he gave it away. That's our spiritual resume. Our spiritual resume is not about accumulation. Our spiritual resume is about distribution. And so if we realize that the stuff that comes our way is for to be used by us, there's some benefit to us. But we are a conduit for things to come into our lives and then go out. So everything that you're going through is so that you could grow, but so that you could also be a witness to those who are around you. Wow! What if we had that aspect of life? What if we looked at things through that lens? Instead of thinking, man, I really don't want to go through that. We were, we were going through James in our Sunday school class. So it was talking about trials and enduring trials and considering that all joy. How many of you do that? How many of you go, thank you, Lord, for letting this happen to me? We do that all the time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing me to suffer. All right? Don't you do that. Nobody does that. If you do, you are a saint. We'll just come up here and we'll go on ahead and go through that whole process with you right now. The rest of us are going, get me out of this as quickly as possible. That doesn't build endurance. That doesn't teach us the spiritual gift of patience. That doesn't bring self-control into our lives. That doesn't teach us joy and love. See, we have to go through these things so that we will be able to, in turn, help other people go through it. Our life is not about ourselves. Revelations 4, 1 and 2 says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one was sitting on the throne. Here's John. Here's John's experience that he's given us. He doesn't describe it as the third heaven, but God called him up somewhere. And this could have been a vision or a dream. Paul says, I physically went there. Either way... God is speaking to someone so that they can speak to someone else. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? How many in here have ever read the book of Revelation? Wow. So the message of John has touched your life. The experiences and the revelations that John experienced have been passed on to you. What happened for for John to get those experiences? Where was he? Anybody? Oh, Patmos. Was Isle of Patmos a resort? Where was it? It was a prison colony. He was sent there as a prisoner. 
so that he could write revelation to all of us. It's not the Ritz-Carlton. God didn't call him to that. God sent him to a prison colony so that he could speak to him, so that he could write to us. How many of you would have said, hmm, going to pass on that? Use somebody else. Brother Tim will go. He can take my spot. See, this is what God does in our lives. This is how God works in our lives. This is how he moves through this. We want all the exciting stuff. We'll lie on our resume to make ourselves look better so that we can get a job or position here, which is a temporary place. God is saying there's no way out of this one. God has called every single one of us for his glory. He is going to use you for his glory. That is his intent. That is our purpose. So if that's going to take place, then our spiritual resume must be written. And if he's writing our spiritual resume, he's writing it right here. He's writing it right on our heart. It's not on a piece of paper to be distributed for someone else. It's written right here. How does it come out? It comes out through our life. It comes out through our words. It comes out through our attitude. It comes out through our emotions and how we respond. Chuck Swindoll says, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. Have you ever thought about that? 10% what happens to you, 90% on how you respond to it. So we need to get into the response business. We need to get into the business of taking what we've been given and using it for his glory. I didn't ask for permission for this, so I may get in trouble. All right? Miss Ruth is here today. Miss Ruth, how many times have you gone through cancer? Is this the third time? Three times. Three times. Miss Ruth has endured cancer. And three times she is beating it. How many of us would have said, the third time, I'm out. I don't think I'm getting out anymore. I'm not coming around. Miss Ruth is here Sunday and Wednesday. She's here to help serve, and she's here to be a part of what goes on. She does not quit. How many of you have ever heard Miss Ruth Swansea complain? None. None. Zero. I've heard every single one of y'all complain. <laughs> Except Miss Ruth. I have never heard Miss Ruth complain. Never. Cancer three times. Three times. I'll go to her house and she goes, Well, it's gone from here, but it showed up there. And I would go, Good grief. She goes, Let's keep going. Next week I go and this is what happens next. This is how I beat this. This is how I keep going on. What a blessing. What a testimony. Amen? All right. Let's keep reading. This is in the sections, uh, verses 4 through 6, but I believe that Clay's already told me I'm only giving you verses 5 through 6. But on my behalf, I will not boast except in regard to my weakness. For if I do not wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will not be speaking the truth. 
but I refrain from this so that no one can credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. <clears throat> References are included. What do I mean by that? Once you begin to tell your story, the people that hear your story become a reference on you. Have you ever had to try to find a reference? Have you ever had to pay somebody to be a reference on your resume? I'll pay you just so I can put your name. Say something nice about me. So what do you do with references on a resume? Those are people that have heard and about you, know about you, and like you. Or have a relationship with you. Someone that you trust to say good things about you. How about spiritually? Do you have people that you've poured into? Do you have people right now that you have mentored? I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to be in town Thursday and Friday. So if you have something that goes on Thursday and Friday, you need to get in touch with Vic, all right? Or one of the other deacons. Because I'm going to be at a conference. You know what that conference is for? That conference is for church planning, mentoring. I've planted two churches. I'm in a different phase of my life. Tamara has said, no more planting. We'll not go through that again. But I have all this. It's in here. It's in here. And so now they've asked me to mentor other church planters. So I'm going to go and go through the process so that I can take what I've been given and pour it into somebody else. How many of you remember a teacher that you had growing up? Someone who taught you not only book stuff, but life lessons. We have teachers in here. They do the same thing on a daily basis in front of 20 or 30 kids. And they get to interact with them. And they get to pour into them. And just as we remember our teachers, someone will remember them. Our effect, we don't think is very much. But the effect of our life is profound. And the references that we could have to speak to who we are could be long. I hope that your reference list is long. My hope and prayer is that you've come in, in contact with enough people that what they say about you because of the impact that you've had on their life will reverberate through their life and into someone else. That's what the entirety of our life is about. Paul's saying, I could sit here and talk about myself all day long till the cows come home. But what I'm telling you about is what God has done in my life and through my life. He's going to get into more detail about it, and we'll talk about that more next week. But what he's saying right here is, it's not about me. When we write our physical resume, it's all about us. It's amazing to me how you can go on now and they'll help you write your resume. All these people trying to tell you what other people are looking for so that you can make your resume stand out. You know the best way to make your spiritual resume stand out? Is get close to God. When you get close to God, He will move in your life. When He moves in your life, everybody else is going to see it. When everybody else sees it, there's your references. Okay.
So Paul was dragged outside of cities and beaten and all this kind of stuff. You would think that nobody would really want to be around him. Would you want to be around there? Look, if we're part with this guy, we can get dragged out and they can stone us too. I want you to go look and read just the first few verses or at the end or the beginning of each one of the books or letters that Paul wrote. Go read just the first few verses in the end. Because you know what he's doing? He's telling you who's with him. Timothy's with me here. Titus is with me here. Ananias and Sapphira, I've sent them on. Um, um, and you know, all these other di- different people where he sent in different places and did different things. And he's saying, welcome them. Say hello to them. Tell them I'll be there. All these people wanted to be around him. Why? Because he poured into their life. And when he poured into their life, God began to work in theirs. First and Second Timothy, Titus. Those are books written to these people telling them what? What they need to do and how they need to carry on after he's gone. But Timothy's already a pastor in places. Luke. All these folks writing all these other letters and these books and living their life outside of it. Those are Paul's references. And he lists them for us. Because these are the people that wanted to hang out with him because he was close to God. I want people like that in my life. I'll close simply with this. You know, we watch a lot of reality TV these days. And there's always an entourage around the person that's most important. You know that? There's always people that are hanging on and talking about this. They talk about basketball players and stuff, and they go into nightlife after a basketball game, and, they, and they're buying stuff for 20 or 30 people that are in their entourage just hanging out with them. Would they be hanging out with them if they didn't have that kind of money? They would not. I want to tell you something. If you win the lottery, you have a lot of friends. Everybody you've ever met in your entire life is going to be coming after you. Right? Why are they there? I know I had a long-lost 14th cousin that lived over in Antarctica and needs my help. What the? Where are these people coming from? Why are they there? They're there to get paid and be a part of that. Don't you want people who want to be around you because of who you are and what you don't have and what you do have and they see that as a value? They see you as a value for who you are. And they see the difference that Christ has made in your life. That's the greatest respect that we could ever be shown. That's the greatest blessing and legacy of our life. Is the people and the relationships that we leave behind. Let's get busy about building our spiritual resume. God will take care of the work one. He'll take care of everything else too. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity which we have to to be a light in this community and 
Father, I thank you for the diversity that's around this place. Um, I pray for just the opportunity through either events that we have or through engagement, through conversations or through, Lord, the sign that's out in front of the church. Whatever way, shape, form, or fashion you want to use to draw people into this place, I pray that you'll do that. Father, I pray for your continued strength in our life and your continued um, hand upon our lives. Father, I pray that you'll continue to teach us, to, to make us wiser, to mature us in our faith. And Lord, as you do that, I pray that we will be able to come alongside other people and pour into their lives, whether they be colleagues that we work with or people that we associate with outside of business or, or just, Father, people that are in church that are of different ages than us where we can take, be a older and pour into a younger. And Father, I just ask that you continue to um, not only mold us and shape us, but use us for your glory. Lord, it's these things I ask and these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. I pray. That